Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Everybody, welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson at Will Paul Levin on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Joined by a special guest today. Anyone that listens to this pod is very familiar with uh very familiar with Connor Hughes of the Athletic. Connor, how are we doing today? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. We're uh, you know, recording right now. The Yankees are in a battle with the Rays, and um, you know, somehow people are still getting COVID. So that's always fun <laughs> for a nice late set, late Luis Severino scratch. But um, mini camp is uh, you know, in the books, and we are finally, you know, we're five, six weeks away from more of the fun part of uh more of the fun yeah. part of covering the Jets because during camp, a lot of expectations and stuff like that. Um wanted to kind of talk, you know, through mini camp and kind of just the offseason as a whole, as you know, put a bow on it. Um We'll start this week. Seemed like Zach had a better week. Um, seemed like there was a little bit more pace to practice and stuff like that. What was kind of the big, I guess, bigger takeaways from uh, from minicamp as a whole? Yeah, I don't, I don't know necessarily know about pace to practice. It kind of felt the same. I mean, the the look. I mean, it was. We'll, we'll see if it works. It's it's a new type of thing. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to be critical of it. I'm just gonna you know say it, it's something that we haven't seen before, right? Because. You know, in the past, this was with Rex Ryan, with Todd Bowles, with Adam Gase. You know, I, I always kind of looked forward to OTAs and minicamp because while it was just two-hand touch, no contact, no pads or anything like that, it was your first opportunity to see the offense scrimmage against the defense and see all the new toys that the Jets are going to have to work with. You know, you got to see the new free agent signings, the new draft picks, all that fun stuff. So um, this year was definitely different because it was really just, an, and LaFleur said this and Salah said this, it was just a passing camp, man. I mean, they, they just did a bunch of seven on seven drills. They did some team drills, but the team drills that they did were, uh, were, were very, very scripted, very, very, I mean, basically eight reps for Zach Wilson. And then he was out. So it was very, very dialed back as the jets try to uh, limit the hits that their players take in hopes that that's going to keep them fresh and healthy for the regular season. I mean, I, I can say that for, OTA's mini camp. I mean, they escaped pretty, pretty, um, pretty much unscathed. I mean, I think you had Shockingly. like, a, yeah, yeah, I know. Right. Like you had a minor injury to like DJ Reed, CJ had a minor issue. And, and if this was game week or anything like that, those guys would have returned to practice. There was just no point in risking it, uh, in, in mini camp. So it's worked to this point. We'll see if it works come the regular season, but 
for ramped up minicamp was kind of the same as, as what OTAs were, you know, it was the team stretch followed by some team drills followed by seven on seven. The only thing that really changed was they ended practice with a two minute drill, you know, where, where they actually got a chance to see the offense go up against the defense. But uh, it, it, the arrows definitely went from pointing down with Zach, I think, which was probably the case with OTAs where, I mean, look, you're not alarmed. You're not panicking. It's not that it's just, you wish you saw more. Two, he did look a lot better in minicamp. He was more decisive. He was more in control. He was more accurate. Uh, you could tell he had a, it seemed like he had a much better understanding of what was accepted of him and what he should do. Uh, the, the hero ball seemed to go away as well, where, you know, instead of, of running around and, and trying to get the first down on first down, uh, he was fully okay taking five yards on first down, six yards on second down and picking up the first down that way. So it looked, he looked more mature. He looked more, uh, like that, that main line was, was kind of teetered out and averaged instead of being real low, real high, real low, real high. I mean, there was kind of a baseline of competence, which you hope to see from him. And while things did get a little dicey there on, on uh, Wednesday, the second day of, of minicamp, it was, it was overall much better than OTAs, which is all you kind of want to see going into this break. And then, you know, as we go into training camp. Yeah. And no, I think I, I heard you say, I think, I guess it was yesterday. You're like the excitement level coming out of me or OTAs was like not yeah. as excited to go into camp. And yeah. then now it's kind of changed a little bit. It's I think at the end of the day, something that I think we've talked about, we talked about a bunch in Indian and in Alabama was like, can they just run the offense the way it's supposed to be run? Yeah. And like Mike White ran it that way. And I actually, I will say this forever. If that ends up being good, that game hopefully will, you know, be a game. We look back and I was like, Oh, I realized I can take check downs and it's okay. Yeah. In the NFL. Um, a couple of other guys I felt like, we obviously get to – there's guys that are – this twos and the threes that obviously stand out, and, you know, the Lawrence Cagers, the Denzel Mims yeah. of the world that are – Jeff Smith that are fighting for roster spots and, um, you know, have been in the system at least, so they kind of mm-hmm. usually stand out. Was there any other guys that you felt like kind of coming in, any other rookies or free agency guys? That, I mean, it's hard because a lot of the guys – they invested so much in edge on yeah. these plays that doesn't – you know, we're not going to see anything. Can't see them. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, you know, guys like Sauce, those guys stand out at all, or is it kind of, it's just hard to tell right now because <laughs> you don't really do much. No. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know everyone asks me about, like, I, I got asked a ton about like Jermaine Johnson and Clemens and those guys. And it was like, you just, you didn't see when, when the defensive, I mean, and even when like the team, when they did team drills, like when they did those eight reps, like literally the offensive lineman and defensive lineman basically like put hands on each other and they both stood up. Like it, it wasn't even like, when Carl Lawson kept like beating Mackay Becton last year and everyone's like, Oh, they're not in pads. They're not in pads. It's just, it wasn't even like that. It was literally like these guys just stood up and that was it. So there was no pass rush. There was nothing to take away from any kind of defensive line, offensive line observations, but I know. Uh, so, so that's why there was no pass rusher or anything along those lines. Uh, people ask me about Garrett Wilson a lot. You can tell he's swimming right now. I mean, his, his athleticism and his talent and his ability uh, he hasn't been able to showcase that yet because he's still trying to understand the playbook and this, this Kyle Shanahan offense, which has been tweaked some and made into his own by Mike LaFleur. I mean, it's still, it's very, very, very challenging for receivers to get down. It's going to take time for receivers to get it down. Sometimes it takes time into the regular season for guys to get it down, which is what made Elijah Moore such an anomaly last year with how he was able to basically hit the ground running and really come out like a, like, you know, a bat out of hell. Um, so he can, you can stay with Wilson. He's still swimming. He's still trying to yeah, figure this out. I think you guys out. asked him about it. I think you guys asked him. I feel like his answer was like, I don't, not, this is a, obviously a paraphrase quote. Mm. It was just like, yeah, I have to know all three spots. I'm learning a similar yeah. route tree, but it's all these different things. I'm t- getting timing down. And like, yeah. he was the smartest receiver in the draft and it's taking him time. So just for yeah. context, when everyone talks about how like, yeah, 
it's frustrating. The Jets were so aggressive in the veteran market. It's not just because they didn't like this class. They did, obviously. It's because when you trade for A.J. Brown or Debo, whoever, these guys yeah. have been in the league for five years, have been in a similar system, they get it, as opposed to someone coming out of college. So just to context, that's yeah. part of the veteran argument yeah. in the offseason. But- yeah, and like like the perfect the perfect example of it was like the Jets ran a um a crossing route like a, I was talking to somebody about this over there just uh, Jets ran a crossing route with like I think it was Jeff Smith coming over the middle, and uh, Garrett Wilson's job on it was he lined up in the slot his job was basically just clear the safety out so basically run like absolute hell at the safety from the left side of the field and just take him out of the play which then opens up the crossing route underneath so you run as fast as you can at the safety. You keep running as fast as you can. You go out, out, out. I mean, you just keep like literally just run as fast as you can, as far as you can, all the way to the end zone. You're never going to see the ball. It's for the love of the game, but just go take it out. And then you're going to have Jeff Smith come across the middle. Zach Wilson's going to hit him. He's going to take out. Um, Garrett Wilson ran a crossing route as well and nearly ran into Jeff Smith. And like they almost bumped into each other. So like, that's just, it's, it's a rookie Welcome mistake. To the NFL. It's just, yeah, it's, it's a rookie mistake. It's, it's not him not knowing. It's, it's him clearly having like a billion things in his head trying to think. So like once he figures out the playbook once he figures out the offense once he figures out what he's supposed to do on a first through fourth down situation you're going to start see his athleticism shine that route running that body control those hands that explosiveness that speed like he hasn't been able to display it yet because he's still trying to figure out how to play within this offense so unfortunately we haven't seen too much from him but if you want to name the guy who's really turned turned my head um has been sauce Gardner. I, i think i think he really looks as good as advertised i mean you see him on the field and he immediately stands out because he's big i mean he's every bit of six three we saw the ball skills with the interception of zach wilson we've seen the ability to close on on a play on wednesday as well where it looked like Corey davis was behind him on a broken play Gardner closed the gap, jumped up, located the ball, swatted it away for a great pass deflection. So uh, I think his swag, you know, his, his moxie, his, his personality is, is clearly infectious and his players are, and these other players are gravitating towards him. but it's not just an attitude. You know, it's also a, a talent there and, and it seems very genuine. He seems like a, a person that people genuinely want to be around, which is, you know, it's, it's a good thing. I mean, you can see why the jets fell in love with him. You see why his teammates are falling in love with him, And, and at least through OTAs and minicamp, the talent that he possesses is also overwhelmingly there. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I, I think something me and DJ talked about a bunch on our pod was just like, it's not, it wasn't great for it's this, and you've experienced this more than anybody being around some of the other quarterbacks when there's not a lot of talent on the field, it's yeah. really easy to overreact to, Oh, wow. Sam did this or Zach did this because mm-hmm. they're going against guys that aren't very good. And now having yeah. other a talent on the defensive side of the ball, like I don't want every practice. I mean, it'd be nice if Zach went 20 for 20 every practice, yeah. but I want to see him like go against real competition. So week one, when they go against Baltimore, it's not like, well, I've never seen this before, which I felt like last year they went to that Carolina game and it was like, Hmm, stuff I like yeah. JC Horn's not uh Brandon Eccles and he's not yeah. you know not bless Austin so um from kind of a wrapping up the offseason as a whole what are you kind of most I guess I don't know if interested or excited the right word but like what are you most looking forward to for camp is it I want to see how this offensive line because like for me I I, I don't I'll head on back then in a minute but yeah. I'm excited to see like can this offensive line practice together for more than two or three days in a row and get some yeah. cohesion? Because I think last year we saw week one, it took such a long time for them to going. By the time they got going, it was, you know, the season's already over. I think you're on mute.
Sorry, I tapped this oh, like button. I'm like, yeah, my bad. <laughs> no, you're good. I saw I saw you make a face, and I was like, did I do? It? And I looked down. I was like, oh, the green lights are gone. Actually, I didn't even <laughs> I know, realize. I was, was looking at I was looking at them. I was like, is it me? No, no you're good. I didn't. Uh, I actually didn't even realize there was a mute, bu- mute button on this mic. Um, I thought I'd do it on the Zoom. Uh, no, so I mean, offensive line is definitely one. Um, I, I think I'm I'm interested to see how the left tackle, right tackle situation plays out. Um, but because from an, if those guys can hold up, if Becton can hold up, if Fant can hold up, you know, if, if Fant keeps improving or if he's just the player he was in 2021 and, and Makai gets back out there and shows some of the ability and talent that, um, that, that the Jets believe that he has, I think you're looking at, a, at an offensive line that can be one of the better in the NFL. And from an interior perspective, left tackle, center, right guard, I think the interior Jets offensive line can be one of the best in the league. You know, I think Connor McGovern's a good, I don't think he's great. I think he's a good player. But I think you have a great player in Vera Tucker on your hands, and I think you've got a very, very good two great player in Lake and Tomlinson. You combine those three guys, the Jets are going to be able to enforce their will. But the group that I'm, I'm fascinated to see, just because I want to see how the Jets end up deploying them, and I guess it's a one-two punch, but it's, it's the pass rush. And I want to see how Jeff Ulbrich marries that pass rush to the cornerback in the secondary position, because that's something that the Jets struggled mightily with when they had Casey Rogers and, and Todd Bowles and all that. I want to see how they can marry the two corner, the three cornerbacks, the two safeties with the pass rush, and how they're able to get those two units to work together. But yeah, you know, I was talking to one of the one of the uh, the guys uh, over there at the Jets, and I, I shot him a text message, and I was like, because I got to do a fifty three man roster projection for for when I'm on vacation, and I said to him, I was like, dude, I was like, I don't envy the decision you got to make because I'm trying to put this roster projection together. And I'm on defensive line. And like when I, when I do a 53 man roster projection, right? Like normally what I do is I go through and I just put like, I look at the, um, the whole raw tail, I'll take up the, on the jets team website, I like go take the roster sort by position. I'll go like, all right, quarterbacks got these three guys making these running back. I just not going by numbers. I just put the guys I think are going to make it. Then I go back and count and say like, okay, I've got three quarterbacks, you know, six running backs, you know, that kind of thing. And then you trim from there on out. And what's, sad is that the last few years that i've done this you're not so much last year but but, you know specifically in like 16 17 and 18 i tried cutting all the tight ends on my projections last year oh dude (laughs) like no 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 joke man no like i'm not kidding about this there were times when like normally you have like 56 57 players then you got to make those difficult cuts there were times when i would do 53 men roster projections with like mike mccagnan's rosters and i would have like 48 guys on the field like i i would and i would be going and picking guys that i don't think should make the roster and putting them on the roster because I didn't have enough guys. I mean, that's where the state of this roster was. So to see the, the, the transformation from where that was to now, I got to the defensive lineman and my first breakdown of it had 13 guys. Like I had 13 defensive linemen making the Jets and that's just not going to happen. I mean, at the best, if they can find a way to keep four or five linebackers, maybe they can keep 11 or 12 defensive linemen. I mean, but there is so much talent there and there is so much ability there that one I want to see who rises like, like, you know, the, 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 I want to see who rises above the rest of the guys, you know, maybe Ward steals some reps or, or, or Zuninga maybe finally reaches his potential. I don't know. I mean, but I want to see who, yeah, I don't think so, but yeah. I want to see who rises above and who reaches that top and who kind of stands out. But then also I want to see how the jets deploy these guys, because we know it's rotation, rotation, rotation with this defense, and this defensive line, and it's on Aaron white cotton to figure out who's in there and who's not. And, and like I said, I don't envy what he's got to, what he's got to do for the last few weeks, but or next few weeks and next few months and years and all that stuff. But the jets do have a, a such a, a nice rotation of talent and playmakers on that defensive line that I want to see a who really comes out of that bunch as a star 
and two of those players, how the Jets use them and then who doesn't make it because there's so much talent in that group. And again, yeah. we haven't seen them. OTA's minicamp. We haven't seen I was going to say, we, we haven't even seen, you know, and then, you know, knowing your luck uh, after last year, I'm sure they'll sign Larry Ogunjobi and, you know, oh, yeah. midweek next week. Yep. Um, right. And like, no, the, the that group's really interesting. I actually like, I was going through it in my head too when, last week and I was like, one or two of these veterans, the Solomon Thomas or the Vinny Curry's of the world, is probably not making this roster. Correct. And like, yeah. and it's, Vinny's the one actually. I, I have yeah. Been cut. Yeah, just because, like, if I'm like, I mean, I'm biased. I like Bryce off a lot. I like think he's shown a lot, but like, obviously, so he has to stay healthy, and the Jets like him, and they're not going to cut him. They're not going to cut Jermaine. And like, I don't know, is Michael Clemens really making this roster? We'll see. Like, I know Jets yeah. fans like him because there's quotes, but let's see. Let's yeah, see. He'll make it. Yeah, not he's a, yeah, he's no. a fourth round pick. I know. I know he was like one of their last picks, but he was still a fourth round pick. Like know, that's just and jo- Joe's not cutting his draft picks. No, either. no, he's uh, he's if any if we know anything, Joe is very stubborn about his uh, his guys he's yeah. taken. Um, kind of leads me to two of the guys that I know we don't. I don't hate talking about them, but like we're gonna have to anyways. Denzel Mims, obviously, um, I've been saying this for two months now, and until he proves me, actually, Joe proves me wrong. I feel like it's a lot of he's in really good shape. He looks really good. And it, to me, it feels like Chris Herndon last year where he's going to have this huge year, you know, brand new. And then he gets traded for a fourth round pick because some GM falls in love with the talent. Um, and which I'm not really, I mean, if he makes the roster, it's great for the jets. It's nice to be able to, you know, keep another guy, but I, I am genuinely concerned about Makai. I've been concerned for a little while now. I heard an astronomical number um, when he left for, uh, when he left, you know, for the off season and it doesn't seem like he's anywhere that close to getting in shape because the jets, yeah. as you pointed out, and I thought that was probably the best way you could have put it is if he was in that great of shape, they would have told everybody they to get in shape. Is, to they just, yeah. They would be like, look at what we'd have. So, um, am I wrong to feel that way about Mims? And then to, I mean, I think we agree on back then, like there is, there is, there is as much as I think his potential is great. And I think he'll be the starting mm-hmm. right tackle in my opinion. I'm not like, there's only five weeks. Like you got to, it's a lot of weight to lose. or It's a lot of shape. You can't be getting into shape, you know, two days before the season starts. Yeah. Uh, with, with Mims, I'll start there. You know, he, he made a couple plays this. I mean, he made a couple plays in OTAs. He made a really nice play on, on Wednesday at minicamp. Um, so he did, he did, he has flashed some, like he, he has made some plays, but I think the thing is, is that he's fighting to be the fifth receiver on the Jets depth chart. You know what I mean? I mean, he's, he's fighting with Calvin Jackson, undrafted rookie. He's fighting with Jeff Smith, who is clearly ahead of him on the depth chart and is somebody that the Jets coaching staff loves. Play special teams. Yeah, especially. And he's also, he's making a lot of plays at receiver. Like, like that's not just, you know, highlights and stuff. I mean, he is really impressing the coaching staff as a receiver and impressed the coaching staff as a receiver this summer. He's he's a guy they clearly like. They like Calvin Jackson his upside, and, and Denzel Mims is fighting with them to be that fifth receiver. And the one thing that we learned from from Denzel last year, and, and I learned specifically from talking to like his representatives, is that Denzel wants to play. You know what I mean? And and I I do think that Denzel Mims is talented enough to make the Jets roster. I mean, he is you know whether he's a star or a 50, 60 catch a year guy, I have no idea. But he's certainly talented enough to be on this team. But if he's a former second round pick and a former second round pick who believes he can start in the NFL and a former second round pick who believes he can start in the NFL and wants to start in the NFL and wants to play, is he going to be okay making the Jets roster as the fifth receiver where he might see five or six offensive snaps a game, but really play the majority of his time on special teams? And if he doesn't impress more on special teams, he's going to be an active like last year. 
You know what I mean? Like, is he okay with that? Or does it just make more sense that even if he has a good camp, even if he looks good, even if he flashes, does it just make more sense for the Jets to try to flip him for a draft pick, whether that's a fourth rounder or a fifth rounder, or if he really, really impresses and they can get a conditional three or something like that, does it make more sense? Because even if Denzel has a really, really, really impressive training camp, I don't know what his ceiling is on offense because the Jets are not going to bench Corey Davis. They are not going to bench Elijah Moore. They are not going to bench Garrett Wilson. And the coaching staff absolutely loves uh, Braxton Berrios. So in order for Denzel to get on the field, you're going to have to take one of those three off. You know what I mean? So do you really want to take Corey Davis off to get Denzel on? Do you want to take Moore or Wilson off to get Denzel on? The answer is no, especially now because unlike last year, the Jets have a solid, solid, solid rotation of tight ends. So there's only so many players you can put. You only put 11 guys on the field and five of them are offensive linemen, right? So in order for you to put Denzel on the field, you now got to take one of the receivers off or Conklin or Uzama or something like that. And I just don't see that happening. So while Denzel does look like he is in really good shape and he has been off to a better start in OTAs and minicamp this year as opposed to last year, and he does look like he's trying more and he is making some plays and flashing some, his ceiling with the Jets is still probably number five receiver and at that point it's like why keep him as a number five when you can flip him for a four and you can just start developing calvin jackson or you can use uh, jeff smith as a special teams weapon x kind of a role on offense you know i I think that just ends up making more sense so while i have been impressed with denzel to this point i still think his future is probably with someone else as as a training camp trade it sucks too because i was talking to where adam kaplan was on the show and he was talking about like the jets view Corey davis is like he doesn't really play as his X. Like he might have to play the X. No, he's because, not. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's like more X. of a Z. And yeah. like, I mean, I see that too. Like, I actually played the opposite of Corey Davis, so I don't really understand that. But like, yeah. it is annoying because Denzel Mims is like what the Jets would love in that like X receiver. It's just the ceiling is like you have two other guys and Wilson and Moore. Yeah. You invested premium picks that have, you know, obviously Wilson's a rookie, but you know, you yeah. don't take a guy ten overall and then not play him. Um, are you? What would you say your like level of concern Makai shows up in shape in in uh in August? Out of Dude, it, 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 I I don't I don't I don't know because like here's the thing, and, and I, I said this on, on keto can't or something. Wait, yeah, no, really, right? But no, like here's my thing on can't wait is like, I said this on can't wait, like the talk all off season, really since he left, like since the season ended. Robert talked about this with him in his exit meeting. LaFleur talked about this with him in his exit meeting. The Jets said it publicly. The Jets have done. They hired him a nutritionist. Yeah. Like like from, from when the season ended last year to when the Jets reported for minicamp, the talk about Makai Becton has been, he has to be in shape. He has to be at this weight. He has to lose weight. He needs to be better in shape. Like that has been the talk over and over and over again. Clearly, Makai heard it because he showed up at his press conference wearing a big bus shirt with overweight, fat, overrated, like, like all lazy, like, yeah, like all of this stuff written around the big bust in the middle of his shirt. So, like, clearly he's heard it. So, if you heard that back when the season ended in, in December, January, and you've had January, February, March, April, May, June, because we're in the middle of June, June, to know that and try to lose the weight and get in shape. And you still show up to minicamp in a condition where Robert Sala basically went in his press conference and said, he is not in shape. He needs to lose weight. 
Like that is what Robert said. He can't literally come out and say that because he's a head coach. He's not going to do it. But he said as much as he can possibly say about Makai did not show up in shape and Makai did not show up at the weight we wanted him to. Because if he did show up in shape and he did show up the weight that they wanted him to, as you said, he would have screamed it from the top of the rafters the same as he did with Denzel Mims. So if this talk all throughout this time was he needs to be in shape, needs to be in shape, he needs to weigh less, he needs to weigh less, and he still shows up to minicamp, not. And this is after Robert's come out and said, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. George Fant is our left tackle. It's his position to lose. This is after the Jets flirted with drafting Icky in the draft. This is after the Jets have flirted with potentially trading Makai. Like, this is where all, all of that's going on in the offseason. And it's all about you have to be in shape, you have to weigh less. And you still show up not in shape and not weighing what the Jets want. That, to me, is just, like, mind-blowing. It's literally like it, mind-blowing. Yeah, it blows my mind because I, I feel this way. And I checked in with this with people over there. Like, I said this, and I was like, what else can you do? Like, is there anything else you can say? Is there anything else you can do? Like, what else are you supposed to do to get through to this guy? And basically they said, there's nothing we can do. It's on him. Like, it is now on him. The world is in his hands. He is all world. He has all the talent in the world. He is He is the potential to be an all pro, all world, one of the best tackles in the NFL, if not the best. He has all of that talent, but he has to grasp it. It's, he has to stay in shape, to stay on the field, to work hard, to be able to reach that potential. Otherwise, if he doesn't come in shape and he doesn't weigh what he wants, he's going to keep getting hurt, taken off the field, and then he's going to be a bust. Like, he is going to be a big bust. And if they, like, it's on him now to do it. And, like, for me, I don't know how you don't show up in shape in minicamp. So I don't know if I have, like, a, a level nine concern or a level 10. I don't know. But, like, where I'm at is that the Jets have done everything that they possibly can do to get through to this kid. If he does not show up in pristine physical shape and that, five pounds less than what the jets wanted him to be when they report for training camp at the end of, at the end of July, it's like, it's, it's just not, it's, it's, not it's going happen. to be something where Joe made a mistake, not in drafting sauce. Cause I think he's all world, but Joe made a mistake in not having a legitimate contingency plan in place because they do not have a contingency plan in place right now. If something happens to George Fant or if something happens to Makai, Max Mitchell 
is a start day one. No, he can't Connor McDermott stinks. Chuma Adaga stinks. Like they're not good players. And even if they go out there and sign Riley Reef, that dude stunk on the Bengals who had the worst offensive line in the NFL. So it's not like there is a Morgan Moses out there. Morgan Moses was a rare situation for the Jets last year. They fell ass backwards into that one. Like I'm still stunned they were able to get that guy when they makes did. no sense. It was one of the weird and the, for the price it was too. Like it's wild, man. I, I just what's what's frustrating for me, and um, we can move on. We move on a couple other things, but this is, again, there's nothing else you can say. It's like it he's just, just got to show up in shape, and he like, never has. It's like I talked to people down in Mobile, and they were like, "Yeah, like four ten, four fifteen, leaving." I don't know if that's actually true or not. Doesn't yeah. really matter. He was over. He's been over four hundred yeah. the last two years. I right. know that he's yeah. been over four hundred. Right. Two. So it's I'm sure it's probably it was accurate. Then I was like, "Eh, okay, whatever." And then I checked into the combine, talked to some people on the staff, and they were like, "I don't know what to tell you." And I was like, I don't know what that means, but I, that doesn't sound great because again, yeah. even if it's in a private conversation, if people think something's positive, they're going to tell you straight to your face. Cause they want that positive. Like they want that out there. Yeah. They could have easily told me, no dude, will you're off base. Like Makai's in great shape. He wasn't. And it wasn't even just from the jet side of things, by the way. So um, I'm just, dude, that's solid. Like here's yeah. the thing is solid is so Positive. overly positive about it's, it's almost annoying yeah it's like i mean every like zach can throw four picks and it'll be like yeah but he's learned like there's always the positive tone to him. he wants to go out like that he's he's a player's coach in the sense that he does not want to like rip guys and criticize like that's not his thing like he's not greg williams like that's not his, he's not his thing he wants it so if there was an opportunity for him to come out there and say he showed up at the weight we wanted him to. He showed up in great shape. He was going to say it the same as he did for Denzel, the same as he did for Zach, the same as he does for every single other player on that roster. The fact that he said, he looked me in the eyes when I asked him, what did he show up at the weight you wanted him to? And he said, I'm not going to get into that. That is as critical as he's ever going to be. And as soon as he said that, I was like, God damn. Like, I was like, cause I like, honestly, like all I wanted was like, here, he showed up and shit, but boom, the storyline's over. The moment he says, I'm not going to get into that. A keeps the storyline going. But B tells you everything you want to know. And it's just, there's nothing else the jets can do. Like there's, we can talk about it till we're blue in the face. There's nothing else the jets can do until Makai does it. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where it's like, you know, you can't help somebody until they want to help themselves. It's similar like that. Like you can scream at him and yell at him and, and he can, Robert can send the public messages like he did. He can send the private messages like he has. Everyone in the coaching staff can do exactly what they've done. Until Makai says, okay, I'm going to do it. It's not going to make a difference and it's not going to matter. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those, I, as a Yankee fan, and you probably don't touch the Mets too, like, oh, what's Aaron Judge? He'll be back in seven to 10 days. Okay. And then it's seven to 10 days later. And it's yeah. like, well, we're not sure. Like you could, if he was healthy, you would have just told me. Yeah. Um, wrap up with two things. One, obviously you kind of mentioned one, Riley Reef, um, Larry Gunjobi, Quan Alexander. Do you think, is it kind of, from what I've basically heard, it's just like they have offers on the table. If the jet, like once mini camps over, this is where you this that, that wave of free agency happens. Did any of those guys move the needle for you, or is it kind of just like it adds depth and you know it's nice to add more talent, but they're not going to add like a win or two? Uh, no, I, yeah, I don't, none of those guys are going to add wins. I, I don't think, I don't think any of them are adding wins. It just solidifies depth. Like Quan obviously has been banged up and hurt, but he adds a lot of depth to the linebacker position. Same with Larry on the defensive line, gives him some beef on the inside of the tackle position because they really. I mean, Thomas really isn't, isn't much. A, yeah. No, I mean, Nathan Shepard's not good. I'm stunned that guy's still on this team. I mean, if you would have told me that, like when the Jets drafted him, like he's going to, he's going to last longer than anyone else in this class. Rich was like, he could have gotten 115 K yeah. more elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Oh, wow. Cool. Uh, um, no, nice. like it, him. And then the same thing with, um, uh, like Larry's just adding another body there, Quan and Riley. Like, I don't think they're going to move the needle. It's just solidifying depth. 
You know what I mean? And I think that's what it's, it, they, they would be depth additions and depth signings, which would obviously the jets could use them. The jets should try to get them. Um, but, but no, I, I don't think they're, they're moving the needle. And honestly, it's just what these guys want. Like the jets have their offers out to them. The jets are willing to pay what they're willing to pay. If they want to go find better offers elsewhere, they can, if they don't, and they want to come play for the jets, they'll come play for the jets. So again, the thing with veterans and guys at that age, if they're going to be getting a veteran minimum deal, right? Like that's, that's kind of what you're looking at is minimum deals are just slightly above the veteran minimum odds are at their, this stage in their careers, because they are veterans they're probably going to want to go to a team that's a little bit closer to winning, right? Because you don't want to get the veteran minimum deal for a team that could potentially win four or five games or six games this year. You'd rather get the veteran minimum deal and go play for the Bills, you know, or get the veteran minimum deal and go play for the Saints or get the veteran minimum deal and go play for the 49ers. You know, a team where you're going to get paid the same, but you got a chance to win. You're going to have more eyeballs on you. You're going to be more successful. The team's going to be more successful and you got a better opportunity to cash in bigger next year. So unfortunately, that's the Jets because of the state that the Jets are in that's where they're struggling some and, and they're going to struggle some with signing these players now, which is what made Morgan Moses such a fascinating, unique situation last year. But um, it's what you said they're, The contracts are out there. Now it's on them on if they want to come to the jets or not. Yeah. It'll, it'll it's the joke. The jets benefited from, from it when they were really good and they're going to get hurt by it, you know, until they are, until they are in fact, yeah. um, you know, in that situation, two guys, I was just curious about your thoughts on this one. I'm not sure how Lawrence Cager makes the roster, but like the way yeah. you've talked about him and written about him, the way I, I've, some people have been just impressed with, like he looks better than he has mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. Is there a path to him making the roster? Is a and am I crazy that Mike White is a guy that like everyone assumes is going to be on the roster, but the Jets might just carry two quarterbacks and try to get something similar to what they do with Mims, where he gets a ton of reps and no. it's just flat going Zach. No, absolutely. I mean, I think I think in the Jets' perfect world, Mike White balls the hell out, and they flip him for a third or a fourth or a fifth round pick. I mean, this was a very weak rookie quarterback class. I mean, there were not good rookies in this year's quarterback class, but there's still plenty of quarterback needy teams. So, in in the Jets' perfect world, they are in a situation where Mike White plays so well in training camp that we're all writing about him. He plays so well in the preseason that everyone sees him, and then at the end of the year, someone who a, a veteran quarterback goes down. The Browns, you know, for example, maybe Deshaun Watson gets popped for the entire year and they can turn around and say like, hey, yeah, yeah, seriously, that they can say like, hey, we'll trade you a a fourth or a fifth round pick and that fourth or a fifth round pick they'll give and the Jets get a draft pick for a guy that they can then trade and they'll eventually add someone else and continue the quarterback cycle of developing someone and flipping them. I mean, the Eagles used to do that all the time with like, yeah, uh, uh, AJ Feely way back when, and then you had like Kevin Cobb and then they did it with Nick Foles. Like you can just like constantly have like the backup quarterback you develop. He plays well in spot duty. Then you flip them. The Patriots are another example of a team that has done that a ton where they did it with Jimmy. Uh, I think they tried to do it with Sidham, but it failed. And, and Ryan Mallett, they tried to do it with as well. You know what I mean? So like, there were all these players like that, that you try to create a pipeline where you can flip them. Um, I think that's what the Jets would would ideally try to do with with Mike White if if that was the perfect situation. Lawrence Cager, I don't see a spot for him to make the fifty three, not with Ruckert, uh, Conklin, and and Uzam. I just I just don't see that there. But I do think he's a very fascinating player to see how he develops. I mean, I just don't think you can learn to block in a summer. Like I don't think in one summer you can go from outside receiver to I can block just as well as any other tight end. Where I think he's going to be a liability as a blocker but he's got so much talent in that receiving game. And we talked to Ron Middleton about him about this last week, where I do genuinely believe that this is a guy that you could see kept on that practice squad 
develop, develop, develop throughout the year. And then next, maybe he comes on, if something happens to CJ or something happens to Conklin and those guys go down and they need a tight end, they call them up or they, you know, the jets kind of season starting to end. They just want to get some guys, some reps, they call them up or next year, 2023, he shows, okay, now I've got two years or a full year of developing as a blocker. Now I'm ready to potentially make this team. So I, I would probably be shocked and it would take like an unreal transformation for him to actually make the 53 man roster as a tight end. But he is a toy for Ron Middleton and Michael Floor to play with. And I think 2023 is probably more likely for him. But he's going to be fun to watch in camp in the preseason. Like, I'll, yeah, I'll have my eyes on him. Yeah, he's going to be great during one-on-ones. As somebody that moved from receiver to yeah. tight end, the uh, one-on-ones oh, are yeah. fun. You're going against safety, as you, like in linebackers. Um, last player I was just curious about, it just made me think of it. Safety is a bit of an issue for me. Um, I like yeah. Whitehead a lot. But I'm just... I don't know. I'm, I like Dash and Davis coming out. I like this tape. And I feel like this is the first offseason he's been healthy, but I feel like me and you've been talking about this for 18 months. Like is Ash and Davis going to put it all together? Yeah. Um, I feel like Joyner's probably still the starting safety, but has Davis looked better to you? Like less, like there's a weight on his back for some reason for a guy that ran four, four, he looked, seemed like a cement truck was uh, riding on his back towards the end of the year. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, like this is the same thing. Like I don't think Ashton Davis has had too many issues as a coverage guy like he's pretty quick he came up with some interceptions where they where he timed it right like i don't i don't have that many problems with him as a as a coverage safety like he can obviously get better but like he's i think he can play man-to-man i think he can play zone his his biggest issue were on defense was that he was like inept against the run i mean the angles williams were on the same side in the buffalo game and i was like i'm gonna blow my brains out (laughs) dude like the the angles that you would see him take from the safety position it was just like what are you doing like it was it was mind-blowing and because the jets ran basically just a straight passing camp we didn't get a chance to see if he's any better also as reporters we don't have the aid of um of instant replay or the all 22 to go back and watch practice film and stuff like that so you're kind of at a you know you got to ask coaches but i i know like from reaching out about them it's the same thing like they got to see him in training camp when they start practicing against the run they got to see him in the preseason when they're going up against the run because coverage i don't think they have that much of an issue with in fact he's got two interceptions in practice throughout the in the media open practices so six total practices he's got two interceptions so he's been around the ball as a coverage guy i just need to see him with his angles and 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 how he plays the run because that was his problem last year and unfortunately we're not going to see that until the jets start running plays and apparently the jets aren't going to start running run plays until it can't yeah it's uh, it's weird because jordan whitehead's like so physical in the run game and then joiner davis and even pinnock for that yeah. matter are all gonna be better in coverage so we'll see how that kind of lays out last thing we'll wrap up with here i'm a yankee fan you're a mets fan a would you like a subway series theoretically and b would it even be fun or the pressure just be awful? Like, I feel like I, I would not. Yeah. I don't know if I would. I've said all year I want it, but now I'm like, this would suck. Every game I'd be freaking out. Like, I'm going to get ripped if the Yankees lose. Yeah. Like, So I don't, I don't know, man, because like for me, I don't. I guess I would look at it if it was like in a, in a similar. And if we if we saw like the Knicks and the 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 Knicks and the, and the Nets face off in the, in the Eastern conference finals. Like, cause obviously, you know, obviously they can't face in the NBA finals, but like if they face each other in Eastern conference finals, I would probably hate, hate that. Like, like I would just like, and, but that's because the Knicks to the nets are the, 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 the Knicks are the big brother, the nets are the little brother. You know what I mean? In terms yeah. of fan base, in terms of ego, in terms of things like, I know the nets are a better basketball team than the Knicks. Like there's, there's no denying that the nets are a better basketball. They got better talent. They got all that stuff. That's fine. But from a fan base, like 
it's almost like as like you never really worry about the Nets, and until the Nets win, like you're not going to worry about them. So if the if the Knicks, if the talent was on par and they met in the Eastern Conference final, it would almost be like, I guess you'd feel I, I would feel more like worked up and amped up with not wanting the embarrassment of like again now if the Knicks, I know like before people get all on me, like I know if the Knicks and Nets met in the playoffs this year, the Nets would wipe the floor of them. Like they got Durant, they like everyone, like they're a more yeah. talented team. I get that, but if the talent was on par. Like if they were on par and the Knicks were like the one or two seed and the Nets were like the one or two seed and then the Nets beat them, that would be such a tough pill to swallow. Like that would be like, oh my God, like the little brother just kicked your ass. With this, with the Mets, like for me, I I don't know, maybe I'm weird. I don't have this like insanely angry animosity towards the Yankees. Like I don't hate the Yankees. I don't dislike the Yankees. I don't know if that's because I have family that are Yankee fans and they're the good Yankee, they're the good type of Yankee fan where they're not like rubbing it in my face or anything like that. Like I would, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I don't know if that's like I wouldn't. I would actually enjoy it. I think a Subway Series would be awesome. Like I really, I would, I would love to see it. I would love to cover it. I would love to be there. I think it'd be great for the city of New York. Like I really do think it would be awesome. So I'm, I'm on the. That's why, like, anytime I tweet, like, let's go Mets, and I get like Yankee fans, like Yankees are better. Screw you. I'm like, okay, like, I, all right, yeah, you're right. I mean, they are better. This, like, okay, yeah. like, I think this, it doesn't. It that just doesn't work me up. Like honestly, as as a the teams that drive me the nuts are, are Philly, like Philadelphia yeah. is the teams, like not in city, like even like football, like giants, jets, whatever, like Mets, Yankees, kind of whatever, Knicks, Nets, even whatever. It's when like the Knicks play the Sixers or when the Mets play the Phillies, I think like, that's when, like, that's when my, my, it's just like, Blood just first. don't lose to the bird. Like don't lose to the Eagles. Don't lose to this. Don't just don't lose to the Philadelphia teams. Those are the ones that those are the ones that get me. Rizzo just did a walk-off home run as we speak, but no, I, I'm on the same page as you. I, I would be excited. Um, I don't hate the Mets. I don't like Francisco Lindor and I don't like like yeah. specific players, but like DeGrom is the most incredible pitcher I've ever watched in my life. And like, yeah. I just like my brother's a Mets fan. So like, I don't have an animosity. I just can't stand when like aimlessly I'll go on Twitter and I'll be like, Yankee stadium sucks. I'm like, why are you tweeting about this? Like yeah. your team is 40 yeah. games over 500, yeah. but um, obviously appreciate you hopping on before you're going to go on vacation. Hopefully, uh, you know, you don't get screwed with any news while you're trying to have a bottle. I'm of off, man. Pizza. So Joe can sign whoever he wants. I, I don't, <laughs> I don't care. I'm, I'm going, I'm going to be in another country. I'm not even bringing the laptop. Like usually wow, when I go on vacation, go. I bring the, I am leaving the laptop home. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be unplugged. I'll have my phone and Twitter. Cause I do need to monitor news. Just that that's my own mental thing. But like I, I will not be, I will not be working on this trip. They can, uh, the athletic can find someone to fill in a story. I was or hoping you would say you weren't even going to bring your phone. Someone just start texting, dude. They got Mahomes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the phone's got to be with me. That's one I can't leave. Zach got a DUI. He was out at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's, that's the one I'd have to come back. No, for. that would yeah. be brutal. But no, I appreciate it. Make sure, obviously, everyone's following me. Obviously, follows you on Twitter. But make sure you guys are tuning in. Can't wait podcast. Obviously, once it's back. Um, and uh, yeah, appreciate you hopping on. We'll uh, hopefully have some. Hopefully Makai's in shape. And when we do this again, we don't have to talk about Beckner Mims anymore. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you.